I think because generative AI can simultaneously help businesses and customers to create more value at lower cost, the effects are going to be more exponential. And I think for, for me, that suggests the theory about, you know, is this a new form of disruption that we have not seen? It starts looking more promising. Welcome to The Ripple Effect the podcast that takes you on a journey through the minds of Wharton faculty. I'm your host, Dan Loney, and in each episode, we'll be diving deep into the inspiration behind the groundbreaking research that Wharton professors have conducted and exploring how their findings resonate with the world today. We'll be covering a diverse range of topics, bringing you the latest insights and knowledge that you can apply to your life and to work. So get ready to dive into new ideas with The Ripple Effect. Picture a calm ocean where disruptive technologies are like the waves that reshape the shoreline, each bringing its own unique impact. But what if artificial intelligence is not just another wave, but rather a powerful tsunami that promises to transform the landscape like never before? Today, we're joined by Rahul Kapoor, a professor of management at the Wharton School, who will help us navigate the depths of AI's potential impact on industries. Will our knowledge of the past disruptions help us prepare for the tidal wave of AI, or are we entering uncharted waters? In this conversation, we will discover the true nature of AI's disruptive power and its implications for the future. So let's dive into today's episode of The Ripple Effect with Rahul Kapoor. Rahul, there's such a a, a large conversation going on right now around OpenAI, ChatGPT, and, and when you think about management and and companies a lot is still to be determined but it seems like there is the potential for a lot of thought to go on right now about what what might what the impact might be in the in the years ahead absolutely dan and uh and great to connect with you on this very important contemporary topic um Yeah, you know, as somebody who has done research on disruptive technologies and business models for almost 20 years, uh, chat GPT, generative AI more broadly, uh, is truly emerging as what I would call a general purpose technology, like semiconductors in the 50s and the 60s, like the internet in the 1990s. Um, And uh, clearly they are, you know, emerging across multiple use cases, multiple applications. And uh, so there is a big, what I call an era of ferment uh, that all of us are in, where there are multiple use cases, multiple business cases, multiple um, application domains uh, with enormous potential uh, for growth and disruption across the economy. So would it be safe to say, talking about the history you just laid out there with semiconductors uh, and the internet, is this kind of a big pivot moment then for a lot of these companies when you think about how those components changed history? They, they had such a great impact. Yeah, and, and I think uh, if you look at you know semiconductors and internet as two of those uh, disruptive forces that we have lived through, what is similar between those and generative AI is that uh, they are solving two types of problems, right? One is a problem around productivity slash efficiency. You know, can we do tasks more efficiently, whether it's time or cost? 
as you know, internet and semiconductors, you know, really push the frontier around those issues. And the second is, can we uh, find new ways to create value, whether it's in the enterprise side of things or it's in the consumer side of things? And generative AI uh, seems to check both of those boxes. If you think of many markets and professions, uh, generative AI is going to make things more efficient. Uh, at the same time, it's going to present many cases of additional value being created through those. And I do think um, these parallels suggest that uh, this is not a not a three-year or a five-year phenomenon. This is a generation-wide phenomenon that we will all be living through for the next 20, 30 years. So what are the challenges then when you have those those massive changes from these different entities, how do, does management and how do, do corporations react to that? And, and, and kind of, it, does it change the process to a degree of how these companies organize and run? Yeah, no, great, great question. You know, it's, it's a commentary that I'm, I'm seeing more and more coming through in the popular and the business press. Uh, and there's clearly discussion about, you know, different types of use cases, different types of industries, different types of professions who are getting impacted or going to be impacted uh, very significantly, right? Things like customer service, content creation, as you know very well, uh, software development, uh, internet search, data analytics. Um, and there's enough evidence that they are going to be uh, impacting them uh, in a pretty short order. And then you have, you know, what I call, uh, recombinations. So these are not, uh, markets where there's an existing way of doing things and this new technology can do it better. Uh, but recombinations is where new use cases can emerge through those new technologies as building blocks. You know, so think about chat GPT, a combination of virtual augmented reality as a completely new use case that you and I have not really witnessed before. So I think from my perspective, uh, you know, when it, when it gets down to what leaders and, and managers can do is to, is to recognize that these paradigmatic shifts, uh, don't take place in two years, three years, five years, right? Internet emerged in the 1990s. Amazon as the poster child of the success of internet uh, was successful 20 years later. You know, semiconductors emerged in the 60s. Intel, as a poster child for a semiconductor leader, was only uh, visible in the 1990s, right? So, so, so the good news is that this is not gonna be a disruptive change that's going to happen overnight. And that means there is no need to panic, you know, if you are a leader, if you're a manager. Uh, but there is a clear and critical need to understand what generative AI or chat GPT uh, can do in terms of your business. And I think this is where most of my research and teaching at the Wharton School um, engages in terms of a framework that leaders and managers can use. And I'll just give you a a very short um, aspect of that framework, right? So if you are a, a leader or even an entrepreneur uh, in an emerging business, um, you have to think about the assets in the business model that your that your firm is, is engaging with. And then you have to think about these shifts taking place in the technology landscape. 
chat GPT, for example, and what aspect of your assets and business models uh, could complement uh, what chat GPT could do. So if you are in the healthcare service, uh, maybe there are certain things that would continue to be done the way they are done, but then chat GPT or generative AI becomes an additional value-added service for for the patients, for for uh, for your clients, and there might be other cases where uh, it could replace. Right. So, if you are in the content creation business, and uh, there are certain aspects of content creation that could be fundamentally replaced through generative AI models, and and I think that's a starting point: is how your existing assets and business model are going to be shaped. And not framing it as a negative threat, but think about where it can complement and where it might replace. A very uh, parallel thought process that I engage with Dan, uh, with students and executives is thinking on the customer side as well. You know, you have existing customers and then you're looking for growth as new markets and new customers. And existing customers are part of an existing ecosystem and new customers may require you to build a new ecosystem. So once you start thinking about the ecosystems, you think about how is a new technology like generative AI uh, affects your existing ecosystem? Are your partners, are your customers better off? Or you need to invest in the ecosystem to create a higher value for your customers do you need to create new ecosystems like electric cars? You know, what Tesla has done and what uh, uh, the success story there is, it's not just about the electric car, it's about building the whole ecosystem. So I think from my perspective, uh, this is a process of disruption that is not going to get resolved in the next three to five years. The organizations and the leaders who are going to do well are the ones who are gonna have a very thoughtful approach to how this shift is affecting their business, both in terms of the positives, but also in terms of the challenges. Thinking about it, not in terms of just existing customers, but new market opportunities, and not just focusing on the existing value chain, but the broader ecosystem of how these companies create value. So if I can have you talk about that customer component again for a second, because it's interesting, there's been so much conversation in the last few years about the relationship between the company and the customer, about how the company, the industry can do a better job of making that connection and keeping that consumer longer term, that this is seemingly that next step in that process, isn't it? Yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, we've talked about customer lifetime value. And uh, as we have embraced more personalization, uh, much of this is coming through data and data analytics. Uh, we are explicitly thinking about, you know, how we can enhance and maximize the value that we can create for every customer. And it doesn't require a one size fits all approach, right? So we can generate things that are more personalized we can create and capture value for each customer or entity over time. And I do think, you know, a generative AI uh, would enhance that. You know, it will broaden the scope of what personalization might mean. For you, personalization might be, let's say, from a, from a content creation perspective. For me, it would also include research perspective as well. And so I can imagine scenarios where, 
companies are able to create a suite of personalizations and bundles through generative AI at a level of a customer, at a level of an enterprise that was not possible before, primarily based on data analytics. So I think once we include uh, these new algorithms and these new uh, learning processes uh, that are algorithmic, the scope of personalization becomes much broader and that has exponential effects in terms of success of businesses. I think it's interesting when you talk about this of how it will impact companies, but I think you can even take it larger scale and think about how it's going to potentially impact industries as a whole, correct? Absolutely. In fact, I was uh, on a panel this morning uh, with fellow academics from, from other institutions, and that was our question. Uh, how can we think about the impact of a general purpose technology uh, like generative AI? And, you know, the conversation that I strongly believe is true is it's going to have at least four different points of impact, right? The most obvious one as a strategy professor is for businesses and for industries. But it will also start having an effect on professions and societies at a much broader level. Right. So think about what social media has done to our societies, to think about what Internet has done to our society. So I think each of these levels, starting from organizations to industries, to broader professions and even the social fabric are likely to be impacted uh, through these technology uh, emergence. Um, some of this is going to be positive and value creating and some of it we have to be careful. Yeah, especially with such a strong human interface and a modality that uh, these these technologies uh, are human-like, um, I think there has to be a lot of a care that needs to be exercised in terms of how professions and societies are going to be impacted by these emergencies. So part of that, uh, would seemingly, I, uh, from what you said there, is you know how companies think about their structure the levels of jobs, the types of jobs that they will have, what jobs, you know, have the opportunity to have uh, OpenAI, ChatGPT benefit from uh, from that technology, what in some cases may even replace uh, certain jobs along the way as well. Absolutely. And, and you know, there is a, a lot of research. It's very early stage, so we don't have a definitive statement uh, on that issue. Uh, but, but, you know, think about, every new technology, right? The model that we all prescribe to as, as researchers of, of technology is every technology follows an S-shaped curve, right? Early stages of a technology, it's imperfect. It's not cost-effective. We have to invest in resources and it takes time for it to improve. But once the technology gets well understood and the experimentation allows us to fine-tune how the technology actually works, then we have a very fast, robust trajectory of improvement, kind of what we saw in semiconductors in the 70s or the 80s, what we saw in the internet era post-2000, what we're seeing with electric cars in the last three to five years. And so I think from my perspective, uh, many different professions are going to be affected. I think it's a, it's a bygone conclusion the rate and scale 
of what that would look like would be a function of those S-curve trajectories uh, across the different uh, professions. You know, if you think about, you know, let's think about uh, the professions that are tied up in customer service versus professions that are tied up in creative industries, you're likely to see different models of S and different rates of, of growth depending on how the technology is going to improve and achieve the performance requirement for those professions to be substituted by these emerging modalities. We will obviously see this play out in the years ahead, but as you were describing that, it, my thought is, is that the level and, and the, the sheer volume of companies and industries that could be impacted this, it, it feels like it, it is extremely large and it will be realistically on the company themselves or maybe the industry to understand how OpenAI, ChatGPT will be able to be incorporated within the structure of their firm moving forward. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and, and just the way you describe the problem, it's, 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 uh, it's a very complex problem, right? And, and um, you know, when, uh, when I talk about how companies and leaders can manage disruption of a scale like what we're talking about today with generative AI, uh, there, there are three impediments that companies have to deal with in the short term, right? The first is uh, there is significant uncertainty in terms of what the dominant use cases are going to be, what solutions are going to satisfy those use cases, what business model would allow for companies embracing generative AI to actually do it in an economically viable manner, right? So there is, there's many sources of uncertainty that every era of disruption seems to present. So you are, you are in an environment where there are more unknowns than knots. Secondly, you still have to run your existing business. That's not going away tomorrow. Often this is going to be a slow process of evolution, three, five, many cases, longer years. Um, so you have to think about how do you want to still focus on the old business or existing business while exploring these new possibilities. And the third is the adjustment cost that you are making in terms of building new skills, building new capabilities, uh, dealing with new competitors that you may have to deal with. So once you introduce inertia, which is how you change and the adjustment cost, once you introduce uncertainty, and once you introduce the balance between the existing and the new, uh, it, it is a, a very, very hard nut to crack. I'll, I'll tell you what I've seen in, in my research. Uh, the best time right, to explore something that's uncertain and disruptive is when you're not desperate for it to be adopted, right? The best time to invest in a new disruptive solution or opportunity is when you are running a healthy business. And that's where the pressure is going to be the lowest for you to take more risk and explore more broadly. You know, the second aspect of the management uh, or, or leadership that I see uh, that generates successful outcomes is to think about what sort of an organizational structure would allow for companies to take advantage of these disruptive opportunities 
And, you know, it's, it's often talked about that they need to be managed as separate businesses or separate units. Um, if you see what Google is doing with Alphabet, there's a Google business and then there is a Waymo business, which is a self-driving technology. Um, I think that's one way to do it. I find partnerships, alliances with many companies to share risk, to share cost, to learn from each other is a model that I think is a very effective model, especially when it's still uncertain. Um, and then third, I think we need patience while we need to be disciplined in terms of how we experiment and innovate as well. So I think a combination of how do we balance existing with new? How do we engage an organizational configuration that allows us to maintain that balance? And then having a disciplined approach to how we are experimenting around these new technologies and business models and giving them enough of a runway to take off as opposed to switching back and forth between something new versus something else every year, every two years, that generates more confusion, more inertia, more cost, and tends to be counterproductive. Let me finish up with, with one question. Is it, it seems like we have had disruption in our corporate structure for such a long period of time at various levels with various impacts. But this feels like that this is a disruption that is kind of taking us down a new path, and it's almost disrupting what we think the idea of disruption is, that we've kind of made this massive shift potentially as we move forward. Yeah, I think the you know the jury's out there, in my view, Dan. Uh, you know, is this... Uh, is this a new wine, if I might use that analogy, or this is an old wine in a new bottle? And, um, you know, whenever there is a widespread uh, paradigmatic change, like the internet, like the semiconductors, um, those conversations emerge. And I see with generative AI or chat GPT more specifically, I'm seeing there are those two camps within academia as well. Uh, many people, believe that, uh, yes, the technology is different. Uh, the, the, the models of value creation are different compared to what we saw with internet or semiconductors, but the, the nature of shifts in terms of assets and business models and capabilities, uh, they have been well understood and studied. So it is uh, a wine that we understand and we can, we can understand what the ramifications are. Um, and others believe that this is fundamentally different. It's, uh, it's disrupting the way we have thought about disruption. And I think, and I think how to parse these two perspectives, in my view, uh, depends on thinking through what the impact that generative AI is having, right? In a business context, uh, it's clear that this is not just a technology problem. You know, it is a broader issue than just thinking about the technology. It's how it impacts organizations uh, in terms of the jobs, but it also in terms of how organizations create value. It impacts the business models. Uh, it can completely replace a given business model and find a completely new business model at the same time. And it also impacts the ecosystems, the broader ecosystems that many companies are part of in terms of requiring a major reconfiguration of the ecosystem or making many old ecosystems completely redundant. And then on top of it, the, the generative AI technology 
is allowing us to do two things simultaneously uh, that has been very hard to do historically, which is we can use generative AI to find use cases that create more value for the specific customer um, or a market. At the same time, we can do so at a much lower cost. And I think because generative AI can simultaneously help businesses and customers to create more value at lower cost, the effects are going to be more exponential than linear. And I think for, for me, that last part suggests the theory about, you know, is this a new form of disruption that we have not seen? It, it starts looking more promising. Not so much that we have not seen a flavor of that before. I think internet had flavors of that in very specific markets like social media and others. But I think it's not happened at the scale across markets, across industries, across professions, across societies at the pace that we think a generative AI is going to, uh, going to, going to propagate. So I think for me, uh, the scale of the effect with exponentiality and the linkages between technology, organization, business models, ecosystems, and professions is going to create a much larger multiplex effect. Some of it we have understood and seen before, but some of it remains to be studied and remains to be understood. Thank you for listening to The Ripple Effect. We hope you found this episode informative and engaging. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review so that we can continue to bring you the best insight from the Wharton School.